Well, good morning, Greenwich. Today is Thursday, May 27th, and welcome to the Basement Academy. Before we get going into our morning psalm and reflection, a couple pastoral and administrative notes. Uh, the first is this, that Mary Ann Cockrell died uh, early Monday morning, uh, a longtime member uh, of the church, a dear friend of my own mother's. Uh, they were born two months apart, and they died one month apart. Uh, there was a stretch in which they talked every day. <laughs> and so uh, the glad reunion continues on the other side. Uh, service will be held for Mary Ann this coming Saturday, May 29th at 11 a.m. It's going to be in the old historic chapel. And uh, the family, we're anticipating the governor lifting restrictions. And so the family uh, is inviting the entire congregation or those who've, who've known Mary Ann uh, to join uh, the family will be receiving uh, visitors and guests for a conversation and condolences starting at 9.30 in the morning, and then the service uh, will be conducted uh, at 11, following uh, there will be burial there at the cemetery and a, a reception and fellowship hall. So uh, if you're able to attend, we welcome you. Uh, if not, please uh, do keep uh, the family in your prayers. A second administrative note is just to share that we did bring almost all of our pews or benches and chairs back into the sanctuary, again, in anticipation of the governor lifting uh, restrictions uh, tomorrow on, on Friday. And so, uh, again, uh, if you've been vaccinated, the masks are off. Uh, if you have not been vaccinated, again, it's all honor system. If you've not been vaccinated, we invite you uh, to continue to wear a mask. We will continue to have some seating pods that will be socially distanced around the outside of the sanctuary as we have. But um, we're excited. It was fun. The staff and uh, some others were there helping us to put the house back together. So what a, what a great joy. Okay, let's dive into our morning psalm. Psalm 147. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting to praise him. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. The Lord sustains the humble, but casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make music to our God on the harp. He covers the sky with clouds. He supplies the earth with rain and makes grass grow on the hills. He provides food for the cattle and for the young ravens when they call. His pleasure is not in the strength of the horse, nor his delight in the legs of a man. The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. Extol the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion, for he strengthens the bars of your gates and blesses your people within you. He grants peace to your borders and satisfies you with the finest of wheat. He sends his command to the earth his word runs swiftly. He spreads the snow like wool and scatters the frost like ashes. 
He hurls down his hail like pebbles. Who can withstand his icy blast? He sends his word and melts them. He stirs up his breezes and the waters flow. He has revealed his word to Jacob, his laws and decrees to Israel. He has done this for no other nation. They do not know his laws. Praise the Lord. Psalm 147, exalting the God of creation, exalting the God of the covenant. Here in the context of the covenant with Israel, by extension, we know the new covenant with Jesus Christ. Uh, this language about revealing his word to Jacob. He's done this uh, for no other nation. God's word is open to all, but it was given initially to his people, uh, to Moses, uh, Abraham, David, uh, the, the prophets, the saints, uh, the apostles. And then as the word uh, extends and expands out, but not everybody who hears has ears to hear, right? And this is back to the parable of the sower. God's word is like an open secret. Anybody can pick up a Bible. Anybody can read. Uh, there, there, there are places still where, where the scripture uh, has not come. Uh, and so there are those who are involved in the missionary endeavors of, of uh, language acquisition and then translation uh, for these unreached people groups. But we who have the word, we should build our lives on that word. We should devote ourselves to study and to an embrace, a holding that word fast. I love this language. He grants peace to your borders and satisfies you with the finest of wheat. God secures our lives. He provides for our lives. And so I want to dive back into Ecclesiastes um, yesterday. Uh, reflecting on a theme that runs throughout uh, the book, uh, that that theme kind of ex trying to explore what is all this stuff about meaningless, meaningless or vanity and uh, emptiness. Today, there's another theme that I kind of want to tease out. Um, uh, one, two, three, four, five, it looks like six different times from chapter two through chapter 11. We read a refrain that is similar to this in each instance. Here in chapter two, a man can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in his work. This too I see is from the hand of God. Mm. Uh, let me read a couple more. Chapter three, I know that there is nothing better for men than to be happy and to do good while they live that everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all his toil. This is the gift of God. In chapter 5, a similar, similar language. Then I realize that it is good and proper for a man to eat and drink and to find satisfaction in his toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given him. Hmm. And so... Throughout the book, in the midst of all this chaos and seemingly random and empty and meaningless life, that, that refrain that runs throughout, there is this call. There's nothing better than to eat and to drink and enjoy your work and come some places to enjoy uh, the relationship with the wife of your youth. And so 
this notion that in the midst of life, as we experience it under the sun, as we observe life east of Eden, where there is suffering, there is injustice, um, there are these tragedies that befall. Uh, sometimes the righteous get what the wicked deserve and the wicked get what the righteous deserve. And what seems to us to be arbitrary and, and, and um, meaningless. In the midst of all that, there are daily realities. We need food and drink every day. <laughs> we engage in some labor, some act of service or work. Um, again, this is set in the context of an agricultural uh, community, right? Um, we have these relationships uh, that, that are so important to us. Two are better than one for they have a good return for their work. Uh, this, this theme of, of the importance of relationships I hear in all of this an echo of the creation story in Genesis. Genesis chapter 2 in particular. God forming uh, Adam, forming the man out of the dust of the ground, and then forming the woman from the rib of Adam. And so this, this notion of being joined together uh, the man and woman are joined. Uh, they are naked without shame. God places them in the garden. Um, they're called to be fruitful and multiply, to till the garden, uh, to have dominion over the animals. Um, they're, they're invited to eat of any tree of the garden. And so, and so there's a, a fruitfulness, a flourishing to that place, uh, Eden. Uh, food is abundant. There is a prohibition, but you may not eat of this tree, this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There also was a tree of life. Okay. And so I hear in the refrain, there's nothing better that a person can eat and drink, enjoy their toil, enjoy the relationships. I hear an echo of the creation story. In the garden, laboring, fruitfully uh, in the garden, enjoying uh, the fruit of the trees, the fruit of the garden, uh, the vegetables, etc., that, that vegetation that has been created, and then, of course, the, the joy of relationship. So I can't prove that to you, but I, but I hear that. I, I notice that. I, I, I recognize I often draw back to Genesis chapters 1 and 2, for the creation, the blessedness of creation and being made in God's image. But then I also tie into, I see often see Genesis 3, the reality of the fall. And so, and so though that word never shows up here, fall, um, and Genesis is never directly referred to, clearly Ecclesiastes is talking about this life outside of uh, the, the presence of God, uh, as I refer to it, east of Eden. <clears throat> and so against the backdrop of the chaos and suffering and randomness of life, there is this daily rhythm, 
eating and drinking, enjoying one's toil and giving oneself to toil. And, and it's toilsome. It's, it's not that uh, it's not work. It is work. But the writer, the, again, the, the wisdom is in the midst of all of this life, everything that's going on out there, there is something here, right here in front of you, that may be enjoyed. And it is a gift of God when it is enjoyed. And so I think there's some call or some wisdom here to ignore all the noise and all the nonsense, and, and literally nonsense. It, it sometimes does not make sense what we observe out in the world. It's as if the writer is observing all of this in the place of injustice, in the place of justice, I'm sorry. Injustice is there, right? Um, the king sometimes, you know, is a fool. Um, you know, the, so in, in, in the midst of all the noise and nonsense of life out there, there's this call to live a simple, humble, I just want to call it this way, local life. Be where you are. Um, we talked some weeks ago about most of our life happens kind of in a 25-foot radius. There was some Christian commentator who, who wrote in that vein. That if most of us, well, if all of us would, would concern ourselves with the 25-foot radius, that is where we live, the, the few people that we have daily interaction with, family members, neighbors, others, where we have a, a rhythm and a routine to life. We have certain associations and acquaintances that we see with some regularity. If we would give ourselves there more fully, be more present into that 25-foot radius, we would enjoy life more, more fully. And I think we would probably honor God more faithfully. Love the neighbor that's in front of you. Uh, go to the refrigerator, pull out the ingredients, make the meal, sit down. There's something in the process of preparing the meal, of eating, sharing, breaking bread at table with family members. As the pandemic lifts over time, we can begin to share the table again with friends and, and others. Uh, what a joy that will be. So there's something, this, this quiet theme that runs throughout Ecclesiastes. The, the, the theme of meaningless is a little more noisy. It's a little more in our face. But there's this quiet refrain that runs throughout. There's nothing better than that we enjoy our, our eating and our drinking and our toil and the, the, this, the community that, that God calls us to. And so there's... There's something wise about this. <clears throat> it seems as if most of our discouragement, most of our despair, most of our frustration doesn't come right here. It comes when we watch the news or we read the paper or pick up a magazine and we, we hear about all the crazy stuff that's happening out there. And we can't believe they did such and so, right? There's always this, I can't believe they did this. 
that's usually where our frustration uh, resides. I've, I've had lots of conversation over the last number of months and certainly years of folks. I'm just done watching the news. Everything I watch, you know, I, I can't know if I can trust it. it. It's it's crazy what's going on in our world, in our society, in our nation's capital. I can't say I, I disagree with them. <laughs> so what, what enhancement is watching the news bringing to our lives? Certainly we can... We can read the news of the world. Uh, we can we can access that. Most of us, everybody watching this or listening to this, is doing so on some kind of device, and so you can retrieve information about um, events, world events, and and regional events at, as you need. Um, you can still take a paper, <clears throat> but I wonder if. Paying attention beyond the 25-foot bubble only increases our anxiety, our frustration, our disappointment, our discouragement. And so this call to live simple, daily, humble, a very localized life, I think there's some wisdom there. And so I find within this um, the, the wisdom that, that runs throughout Scripture the psalmist, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Psalm 118. This is the only day that we have. Okay, it's Thursday, May 27th. I'm recording this at 7.15 in the morning. This is the only moment I have to live and to, and to serve and to give and to pray and to wonder and to learn and to grow and to eat and to drink and to labor. And so life is lived in time. Ecclesiastes helps us remember that. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to eat, a time to drink, a time to fast, a time to labor, a time to rest, okay? And so this, this, this idea of living a daily life, being present to the moment, not, not anxious about the future, not anxious about things out there that I really can do nothing about other than perhaps offer my prayers. Um, certainly cannot change the past, right? And so, so there's no point in living there. And so I think the wisdom that Ecclesiastes is giving us here in this refrain that runs, nothing better, that we would we would celebrate this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it in our uh, Lord's Prayer as, as Jesus teaches us. Give us this day our daily bread. He's actually echoing uh, uh, a petition from Proverbs chapter 30. Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, feed us, nurture us, strengthen us, provide for us. Um, Jesus picked up on this theme in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, why do you worry about your life? What you shall eat, what you shall drink. Look at the birds of the air. <laughs> They're not anxious. God provides for them. Are you not of much more value than these birds? Why do you worry about what you shall wear? Look at the lilies of the field. They are adorned greater than Solomon, right? I mean, it's, it's this. 
And, and so Jesus, perhaps in that reference, the, the Solomonic reference, is perhaps pulling us back to remember the themes uh, that Solomon spoke of. This, this Solomonic book, both in Proverbs and here in the Ecclesiastes. And remember what he said? <clears throat> Jesus said, so do not worry. Don't, don't worry about your food, your drink, your clothing. The pagans run after all those things. That is those who do not know God. They're chasing, they're anxious, they're striving, they're, they're chasing after the wind. God knows what you need. Rather, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Give yourself to that pursuit of God. And of course, the way we do that, love God and love your neighbor. And then he closes that out by saying, do not worry or take no thought for tomorrow. Today has enough trouble of its own. There is work to do today. There is a meal or meals to prepare today. There are activities to engage in today. There are people to honor and to love and to listen to and to care for and to forgive and to be with today. And so, and so each day, if we would understand that we are, as it were, in a garden, God has placed us in the garden. There's work to do. Uh, there's sustenance to retrieve. Um, and, and so our lives would be more full and refreshed and joyful if we lived more present. Um, there, there's been a lot of language of late or a lot of emphasis of late, and by that I mean in recent years, on this notion of mindfulness. When, when feeling anxiety or feeling some emotional uh, turmoil, there's different strategies. Listen to your breathing. Pay attention to your breathing. And it gets your mind off of that thing you're worrying about, becoming anxious about. Um, mental health um, professionals teach mindfulness. Um, there, there's ways you can, you know, be in touch. So physically, just like, you know, rubbing fingertips together, maybe just, you know, touching the table in front of you. There, there's strategies that teachers uh, give to children who have lost focus. Uh, children sometimes lose focus in the classroom. Mindfulness. To be mindful of this moment, to bring yourself back to this moment. You're here now. You're alive. You're breathing. It distracts your mind. You get down into some tactile experiences. Okay, regroup. I, I, I think it's wonderful, to be honest with you. I, I think the it's wonderful. But what it is is simply calling you to live in this present moment. What um, Brother Lawrence of old, I think writing in some like the 13 or 1400s, called practicing the presence of Christ or practicing the presence of God. To live each moment with an awareness of God. And, and so in his little book entitled the, the Practice of the Presence of God, he, he writes little strategies, you know, how to peel the potatoes in the, in the monk's kitchen <laughs> uh, to the glory of God. And so 
living present. This is the day the Lord has made. Give us this day our daily bread. Take no thought for tomorrow. Today has enough trouble of its own. Live in this moment. And then there is this golden thread, I I call it, that runs throughout Scripture that ties back to what we read here. Nothing better than to eat or drink and to enjoy your toil, this, this notion. And so, starting in the book of Revelation, we have the garden, we have the, the tree of life, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and then all these other trees. And you are free to eat of any tree except this one. And so there's this freedom, there's this provision, God uh, granting that. Uh, we read of the Passover meal, the, uh, a meal to commemorate the deliverance of God when the angel of death passed over the homes of the Hebrews that had been sprinkled with blood in the great Exodus deliverance from Egypt. And so God commemorates or tells Moses to commemorate that deliverance, that salvation with a meal. When they get out into, uh, out of Egypt and they start wandering in the wilderness because they refuse to listen to God and to go in and take the land that he promised, God does provide for them manna in the wilderness, right? And so there's, there's food. He brings water from the rock and so food and drink. And so the the garden, the Passover meal, uh, the the manna. We know in the New Testament, the Lord's Supper uh, is uh, the re, uh, how do I want to say this, kind of reinterpreting the Passover meal. It was at Passover that Jesus said, took the bread and the cup. This is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. He reinterpreted that salvation remembrance meal and now do this in remembrance of me, my salvation. And so you've got the Lord's Supper that we continue to celebrate, which points forward to a meal or a banquet that will happen at the end of time, uh, the wedding supper of the lamb or what, what we sing about as the lamb's high feast. And then, of course, at the very last chapter uh, in Revelation, we have there the tree of life. And so in the city, the heavenly city, there is this, this stream, this river that flows. And on either side is the tree of life and it's bearing crops each month. And so there's, it's this image of never-ending abundant supply of food, which, of course, all of this pulls us back to what is that one of the deepest realities that we have as humans? We are contingent. <laughs> we are dependent upon external resources. We need food. We need drink. We need clothing. We need shelter. And we need relationships. Okay? And we need meaning and purpose, which we often find through our labor. Now, again, you don't have to be working for pay. Everybody has work to do, even if it is just running errands and doing the chores around the house to maintain your home and, and working in the garden and mowing the lawn and, and offering some volunteer service. Again, the idea is these are the most basic human realities that Ecclesiastes is pulling us back to. Eating and drinking to sustain our lives. It, it, it reminds us that we are dependent, contingent creatures. Um, our work, our labor, which gives us, gives us meaning and focus and purpose. And then relationships. And so 
d- despite its appearance as a very uh, dark and 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 gloomy and and despairing and depressing book, what Ecclesiastes is really trying to say it, it's calling us back to the most basic human realities, which is ultimately our dependence on God, right? Which is, I think, why the the, the book ends as it does. And so. I think I'll end there, Uh, and I I commend uh, to you the simple life, the simple gifts. And and so as you're about your work and about your meal preparation and taking meals today and in conversation with people, I pray that you will find joy. For there is nothing better, (laughs) says the scripture, there's nothing better than a good meal with some good friends after a good day of work and service, right? So let's pray. Father, bless us in these daily activities. And thank you, thank you, thank you for the ways in which you do provide our daily bread and you give us work, activities, things to engage ourselves with each day that give us direction and meaning and purpose and how we thank you for the relationships in our lives, family, friends, uh, co-workers, church family members. Lord, we're eager for the opening up of, of our lives uh, as the pandemic seems to be lifting. And we pray we would do so wisely, particularly in, in church. Uh, but Lord, uh, help us. Help us to be those who daily give ourselves afresh to you to love God and to love our neighbors and to do so with great joy. And we thank you for the life of Jesus that lives in us through his spirit, even as we make our prayer in his name as he taught us, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And may the God who is the maker of heaven and earth, may that God satisfy you with the finest of wheat even this day. And may that bread of life, Jesus, attend your every step and strengthen you. Amen and amen.